This week on Merchants of Change, we talk with Melissa Puglio, Enterprise Account Director at Talon One. Talon sells an all-in-one promotion engine to companies like Adidas, Mercedes-Benz, and Live Nation. Melissa was a three-sport high school athlete at Lawrence Academy before playing college softball for the Trinity Bantams. Here she is, Melissa Puglio. I'm J.R. Butler, co-founder of The Shift Group, and you're listening to Merchants of Change. This is a podcast about transferring the skills and behaviors we acquire as athletes into being a professional technology salesperson. Each week, we'll introduce you to a top performer who will help us understand how they became professional merchants of change. What's up, kid? How we doing? Nothing, JR. What's happening? Good to see you. Not much. Excited to have Melissa. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Absolutely. Um, so, Melissa, where we like to start uh, is with your athletic background. Um, so, you are a three-sport athlete at Lawrence. I, I can uh, appreciate that. I'm a former three-sport athlete from Cushing. You guys were our biggest rivalry in hockey. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, after Lawrence, you, you played softball at Trinity um, and ultimately graduated from me and John's alma mater, Holy Cross. Um, can you tell us, like, what, what are some of your fondest memories of, of playing sports? Yeah. I mean, playing sports growing up was such a big part of my everyday life. Um, my closest friends today are still people that I played softball with when we started in fourth grade. Um, and it's great to still have those connections. I think just the overall teamwork mentality and especially for softball I also played field hockey and ice hockey um was a goalie goalie and catcher so I was always on the team but always doing my own thing um but it's great to just have that mentality and just all the memories growing up um something I miss daily <laughs> oh we got we got another goalie John so you were a catch, you were a catcher and you know, it's a, yeah I was just gonna say I, I played catcher uh in baseball I love playing catcher but we usually give goalies a hard time on the on the podcast. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I never played hockey or field hockey or any of that. Yeah, but yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I was gonna say you gotta have your wires crossed a little bit to want to stand in front of a puck and a and a ball. Like, do you, do you consider yourself a goalie weird, Melissa? Oh, it depends. I mean, <laughs> I also consider myself sales weird. So yes, yeah, sure, I guess I am. <laughs> <laughs> but I got into it because I was started as a midi in field hockey, realized I didn't like running that much. So thought I was getting around by standing in goal. But then I realized you run all practice with your pads on. So <laughs> didn't work out, but um, ended up really enjoying being goalie. And that's how I got into hockey, too, because they needed a goalie for the JV team and then worked my way up to varsity. Field hockey is pretty intense. My younger sister played field hockey in college and high school. And I used to see the, the goalies had all kinds of pads on. but. Until I actually felt a field hockey ball, I was like, you know, why do they hold those pads on? That could take your head off. You know, those, that's pretty intense. Yeah, I'm those just, are not some fond memories. No. <laughs> <laughs> so how, Melissa, how would your, if we asked your teammates to describe Melissa, what would they say? So I've always been or had always been never the MVP, always the coach's ward because I was there for the team, helping people get whatever they needed to get done. Um, I was always a person also that got there early and stayed late. Um, 
sometimes that got me shamed by the team, but you know, that was just my mentality. And so I think just being a team player is still something that, you know, the, the friends that I have today that I'm close with would, would echo. So that's a common theme in JR. And I get a lot on the show is, uh, you know, kind of being coachable and a team player. Can you talk about a little bit more about some of the habits and skills you developed as an athlete? Yeah, I think, you know, being an athlete growing up, you have practice, you go show up, try to do your best. I think then what everyone does in their off time sets people apart. Um, so are you a person that shows up late or shows up early versus late, stays late instead of leaving early? Um, and that tenacity is something that I learned very early through sports. Um, I mean, certainly softball in fourth grade, it was just, you walk in the maximum amount of runs each inning, and then you call the game out, out of mercy in like the third inning, because everyone's done, right? Uh, but by the time we got to playing summer ball, it was, you have to be able to adapt to when you're down, going into the bottom of the seventh, how do you come back? And that, that mentality obviously translates to field hockey and ice hockey as well as how do you stay tough when, when the times get hard? Um, and that's something that, you know, in sales, certainly I, I take um, and try to to keep top of mind and keep that mentality, um, but also just in everyday life, right? I mean, it's something that being able to believe in yourself and persevere is, yes, very helpful in sales, but just helpful in everything day to day. Absolutely. When, when you when you stopped playing uh, softball at the college level, what did you miss the most about sports? I mean, it was really, really nice to have the built-in time in the day to go out, be social, and be active. That now is obviously very tricky, especially working from home where you don't have an excuse to leave the house necessarily. Um, so I think that was the biggest transition and just not having the the daily or every other day dedicated couple hours to, to just go and enjoy. Yeah. Being, being around your friends all the time is that's definitely what I missed the most was the locker room, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's such a lifestyle, right? It's, I mean, you have breakfast, lunches, dinners with the team, you go to practice, you do homework with them and to go from everything to relatively nothing is a, is a big transition. Yeah. So Melissa transition is a great, great transition. We also like to use the word shift, um, you know, making a shift. From yeah. the, <laughs> it's, it's just, I, I love saying it because JR picked it and it's such a good word for, uh, yeah. for what he's doing, but shift. So talk about the shift from going from uh, a student athlete. A lot of our listeners are student athletes. Go from a student athlete to a working professional, you know, we're, and talk a little bit about, um, you know, you said showing up early, staying late, having the team aspect. How did that differ when you started towards your professional career? So I actually didn't know that I wanted to go into sales. Um, there was an on-campus recruiter at Holy Cross for NetSuite that was billing a business development program that was rotational. Um, and I said, great, I want to go into business, not knowing that a BDR is sales at the time, right? Um, so that shift was really interesting when I got there. It's, oh, holy smokes, this is sales. This is not marketing or anything else that I was sort of tangentially interested in. Um, but that was a great opportunity because you, I started with a class. So there were, I think, 10 or 11 other people that started same day as me. We all went through the training program. And so we were able to adjust and make that shift from student to working professional might be still a loose term for those early days. Um, but making that shift to more of a day to day, nine to five, obviously sales is not nine to five, uh, but more of that just regular working experience. Is that still the case, uh, JR? I'll put this to you too, but is it still the case where a lot of software companies are doing like classes of business development reps? 
Yeah, we, we see a lot of like cohort, cohort style kind of onboarding without a doubt. Um, and and I, I was curious, Melissa, like, so you didn't realize it was a sales role because they trick you with that business development title. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I guess when did you, when you were do, doing the BDR role and you started to understand the career path, when did you make the decision and why did you make the decision? Like, okay, I want to, I want to be a salesperson. Like, what, what was that? What was that transition mentally like and, and what happened? So the culture at NetSuite was very much, if you're successful in the BDR program, you book a whole bunch of outbound meetings, then the good BDRs go into sales. Right. And the really good BDRs go into the software vertical of sales. This was my perception. It was not company mandated by any means. Um, but so I saw that and said, great, I want to be at the top of the class, which means I want to go direct sales for the software vertical. I found out pretty early on into the BDR program that the competitive nature of sales was great for me coming from the sports background. Yes, you have the team, but you're still that individual player. And that dynamic really worked for me then and has continued my career in sales since then. So that, that competition is really like what, what you find the most joy out of in a sales role. 100%. And it's, you know, it's a question, why are you in sales? I get asked or have been asked in interviews and it's, yeah, the money is nice. It's a nice bonus, but that thrill of winning for me is what does it. So whether it's booking that outbound meeting, closing the deal, whatever the win is for that day, um, that's something that Michael Sella, who's a VP of sales that I've worked with previously, his whole mentality is win the day. So how do you get the most out of each individual day with the goal then that those good days are going to add up to good years, good quarters, good years, and good careers? I love I love the story, Melissa, too, of just how you kind of went down and interviewed for a business development role and you took it and uh a lot a lot of the athletes we talk to they they either stumble into sales through their brother-in-law their uncle or their sister-in-law or somebody told them hey why don't you try sales and then they the the funny thing is they they're really good at it and then they stay in it so you've been in it for quite some time now and you kind of got in it not by accident but uh, by accident go ahead no, I was just gonna say I had a scholarship to go do something completely different. And, you know, I remember that interview very distinctly. And when I got the job offer, my parents said, okay, well, you know, we've put you through now private high school and college. Um, maybe you should start making some money instead of going off to study Buddha Buddhism, which is what I was supposed to do. So <laughs> total 180. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you regret that? <laughs> There are some days where I wish I I had taken the scholarship, but <laughs> overall, no. I'm sure you have I a great meditation that. practice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's good. Yeah, I talk I talk too much for Buddhism, so I I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa, I'm I'm really interested to get your take on this because you've worked for unbelievable companies. Um, most of the candidates that we work with, because uh, we don't like work exclusively with companies, so they end up getting multiple offers from multiple companies. Um, and like when we're talking to these, you know, these younger professionals, they're looking at things like you know base salary, on track earnings, benefits, office versus remote work. Like, what do you think? What do you think is missing from this list? And how would you advise like one of these young? student athletes that's making the, the transition to evaluate the potential employers that they're going to go work for? What, 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 would, what are some of the boxes you think they need to start checking? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously super important to think about comp and the lifestyle, what's going to fit in with what you're looking for out of your day to day. I think the biggest thing for me is 
is the person that I'm going to work for, someone who I want to work for, and someone that's going to help me advance my career. Um, I was fortunate enough that the team and the sales manager at NetSuite believed in us as BDRs. And so they really put in a lot of effort to make sure that we were, as a group, were successful. And now, you know, even interviewing for my role here at Talon One, my biggest criteria is the, the leadership team. Are they people that I want to work with? And are they going to help me get to that next step? Yeah. The, so the really easy to get sucked into. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't, couldn't agree more, Melissa. Like a lot of the entry level sales positions are within a range in terms of base salary and on target earnings, right? They're, they're within a range, but a lot of graduates or people transitioning or shifting into sales are kind of concerned with the compensation. What we like to coach them on is look at your management. Look at the person that you're going to, is going to be leading you. And, you know, we had a, a few guests on the podcast that JR used to manage and they've come so far and like having a strong leader, I think personally, I think that's just as important as having the $5,000 more in the, in the comp. Yeah. I mean, it's really easy to get distracted by the comp and all the flashy, you know, added bonuses that companies have today. But I mean, I would not still be in sales if I didn't have a good leader at NetSuite. And so thinking about that in that decade of comp, you know, that 5K difference doesn't really make a big difference looking back on it now. That's a that's a really good way to think of it. Melissa. I like that. I'm stealing that. Um, what, what, so <laughs> getting into your career, getting into your career a, a bit. What did you, what did you find like the most challenging when you first started in sales? Well, not knowing it was sales was a, <laughs> a shock. Um, but I think it does require a whole bunch of tenacity and sales is very, very hard. And if it was easy, people, everyone would do it. Um, there's a reason that there's a small group of people that get into it and that stick with it. And, you know, all of the, the mindset building and skill building that you do playing sports ties really nicely into making that shift from, you know, student athlete to working professional who's going to get knows way more times than you get yeses. But how do you find the good in that? How do you find the small wins to keep going? 100%. 100%. Yeah, like a two, I got a two-part question for you, Melissa. So okay. for our listeners, what's first part, what's the best way to approach the BDR position? And second part is you went from BDR to AE. If somebody wants to go from BDR to AE quickly, and kind of climb the ladder quickly, what should they focus on? Yeah, I think there are some roles out there that where you can just jump right into the AE role. Um, again, super attractive because maybe it's higher pay. I think the amazing thing about a BDR or SDR position is that you get to learn without having it be super high risk. You don't have a huge quota attached to your comp. So you can go out, iterate on what works, what doesn't, figure out your own sales style before... It's actually your head that's on the chopping block for making the number. Um, I think at NetSuite, I was very fortunate that the AE that I was paired with was also based in Boston. She sat in the same office with me and she was very dedicated to making sure that I was successful because she knew in turn that that would pay her dividends in the long run. So she brought me along to the first calls that I booked. She would bring me along to in-person meetings in Boston, have me do you know the pre-demo sales pitch. Um, and then she had me stay on throughout just in copied emails, but throughout the sales process so that I could see what that process looked like. And for me, that really helped once I got into the AE position, then I had some semblance of what I knew I was supposed to be doing on a day-to-day -day basis, other than just making cold calls because in the BDR role, that's kind of all you know. Um, so I'd say for anyone looking to move quickly from SDR or BDR, make sure that you're 
working closely with your AE or someone else on that team who's going to help really invest in you as a mentee to make sure that they are taking the next step. Similarly to what I would consider looking at for management too. Like are, are those people going to invest in you and make sure that you're getting to the, the next stage of your career? That That is perfect, Melissa. And for everybody who's listening, I'm just going to repeat that. If you're a BDR looking to go to AE or account executive, start doing what the account executives do. Ask, ask first, you know, for the, go about it the right way. Don't just overstep, but ask to start doing what they do. And you'll be surprised who opens the doors. I, I've had reps that I managed in the past tell me I want to get into management. So right away, I've just said, okay, you're going to interview the next candidate. You're going to just start interviewing. You got to learn how to interview is if you want to be a manager. And they were kind of like, well, I don't know how to do it. Well, you got to start somewhere. So yeah, I, I think trial by fire is a good way to do it, but you're not going to get there if you don't ask. If you're a BDR listening, you want to be an AE, ask somebody, tell them, tell them you want to be an AE, ask them how to, how to get involved more. That's great advice. And, and I, and I, you made a great point. Like in order to be an AE, you have to be a good BDR first. Right. And I think like, Part of being a good BDR is like finding a really solid operating cadence with the AE that you support. So like now you've been on both sides of that relationship, the BDR, the AE kind of relationship. What are some of the characteristics, in your opinion, that make for a good BDR AE relationship? I think communication is key. I mean, if you think about sports too, being able to communicate with your teammates from thinking about the goalie or catcher position, I was communicating to them when like an offensive player was coming down the field or down the ice and where they needed to go, very similar to now how I act as a sales rep um, and how I interact not only with prospects and customers, but with my SDR, um, you know, because my, my success is tied to their success. And so I want to make sure that we're talking on a daily basis. Any update from a prospecting perspective, whether it's on my end or the BDR's end, I want to make sure that we're in constant communication there because that's how we're going to get better. Um, no one ever gets better by just working in a vacuum and never getting feedback. And so I encourage my BRs to give me feedback after we hop off a call and vice versa. So that the team, sort of the, the battery of AE to BDR instead of pitcher to catcher continues to get better as well. Communication is perfect. It's perfect. So Melissa, for some of our listeners looking for an edge that, you know, they're athletes now, what can you, what can you advise them on in terms of, you know, how can they differentiate themselves going through the uh, job job application process? Yeah, I mean, it's you got to find your own style with how you present it. But I think the amount of time and dedication that we have as athletes, especially if you're playing at a collegiate level, is above and beyond what most of our other colleagues interviewing for the same position have gone through. Most people, you know, they show up to class and that's it. You know, they're not having the team breakfast, the team lunches, team dinners, practice, extra practice then the mental training that goes along with that. And that is really the foundation in my experience. Um, and from my perspective for sales is how do you have that dedication, that tenacity, so you can continue to get up every day and not to knock people that haven't played sports. You know, I'm sure that they've done wonderful things too, but sports really drills it into you that that's how you can operate. You can operate at a much higher level than, than someone maybe who hasn't played at that level. So, so telling, telling that story, of your experience as an athlete. And, you know, you're talking a lot about time management, right? Because you have the same workload as a regular student, yeah. plus practice, lift, rehab, getting on the bus to go to games on the weekend and during the week sometimes. Like, I think that's a piece of it. I think 
you know, and all the other stuff you said at the beginning about teamwork and, you know, competitiveness. I think that's, that's a really well said is like telling your story as an athlete is the, is, is the best way to differentiate yourself. Um, I love that. Are, are you, you know, yeah. we talk a lot, uh, you know, the whole kind of core belief in our program is mentorship is like a critical part of it. Um, do you have any like colleagues, peers, leaders that you've had in your career that have been like valuable mentors to you? And like, what are some of the best lessons you've gotten from your mentors? I love that win the day one. That's, that's a good one. Yeah. So Mike Stella is credited for win the day 100%. Um, and he at our sales kickoff a couple of years ago gave us all these little coins that say win the day. So that sets firmly on my desk as a reminder if I'm starting to go off track to come back. Um, I think too, you know, my AE at NetSuite, Kelly Lampkin, who is now over at Workday, you know, she was the one that really believed in me and her whole mentality is to just be herself. She is actually the only person that I've ever met, I think, that knew that they wanted to be in sales. Everyone else sort of like myself stumbled into it. Kelly grew up knowing she wanted to be in sales and she is herself and so unique and so opinionated that she's had amazing success at NetSuite at Workday and she has invested in a ton of companies. Um, so I try to, to take some of that mentality and, and make it my own. Um, you know, I, I think that I've been very fortunate to work with a handful of great leaders. I learned a lot from Steve Travellini when I was at Datto. That mentality was so, so different than NetSuite. It wasn't the more enterprise sale. It was very transactional, get in, grind, hustle, and do it again. Um, and that that training took sort of my BDR foundation to the next level. And how do you really learn how to, if there's a wall in front of you, just run through it when appropriate. Um, and so I've been very, again, fortunate to work with a ton of a ton of great teams, a ton of great leaders, but those are some of the few that, that definitely stand out. So let's switch gears to leadership. You're talking about a lot of leaders, probably work for yeah. a wide range of managers. What do you think makes an effective sales leader? Oh, so many things. <laughs> Um, but I think the big thing is just being able to understand your team. Um, cause everyone operates differently. Every rep is different. Sales is both a science and how many cold calls, how many cold emails you make, but it's also an art. And I think everyone's approach to the art side of things is very, very different. And so from a leadership perspective, I think it's very easy from, for someone to just say, Oh, this person prospects like me or they sell like me. So that's easy. I'll just help them. I'll coach them. But how can, can you then take the whole team and people that learn and interact differently um, and also help coach them and bring them, help bring them along and get them successful? And I think that leadership in and of itself is an art that, you know, takes, takes a lot of practice. Does. Definitely does. Yeah. Definitely does. You send a, you send an email as a sales leader to 10 people, you get 10 different responses all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize you, you were, I didn't realize you worked for Steve, Melissa. He's, he's one of our favorite partners. He's a, he's a rock star. That's awesome. Yeah, no. So I spent a year with Steve, um, at Backupify and I, he was instrumental in changing the trajectory of my career and just, you know, I have fond memories from, from that time and everything from just getting on the phone, listening to tropical house music, walking around the office, making cold calls to, putting money in the sales god and the good faith hope that, you know, um, a deal would come in that day. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's, he's carried a lot of that to link squares. Um, I, one thing, one thing that's really cool about shift group, I think is that a, a, a huge portion of our candidates are females, right? And, and the reality is, is that there are un underrepresented, um, kind of populations from a sales perspective, right? There, there are more, 
you know, whether we want to admit it or not, there are more males in software sales than there are females. So I'd love for you to like spend just a couple minutes talking about your guidance for women who we're working with who are getting started in sales. Yeah. I mean, I could spend a whole bunch of time talking about this, but I think at a high level, it's, you know, how the culture that we live in is very much, at least my experience should caveat this whole thing with my experiences in that, you know, it's, it's pretty common for women to just be listeners, not talkers. Um, and this is still something that I'm working on getting better at is speaking up for myself and promoting the good work that I'm doing. Cause I know that I'm working my butt off every day that I'm making the calls, making, making the emails, doing what I need to do to win the day. Um, my experience is that been that the guys on my team are very good about saying, Oh, I had a great day. I did this. I did this. Um, I'm much more reserved and I know I'm doing what I need to do. So I'm not going to tell anyone. And I think that has held me back at times. Um, so just being able to believe in yourself and speak up for it. And that's something that, you know, having that foundation as an athlete definitely helps. Um, but certainly something that I'm still thinking about and trying to lean in on, um, just promoting myself as well as my team. Right. Um, and the good stuff that's happening, especially when you're working from home and no one really sees what's going on. Speak up. I love it. It's great advice. Self-advocacy. It's huge, huge. Um, we, we, we deal with large companies, Melissa, but I'd say a huge portion of our, of our companies that come through our venture partnerships, you know, their series A through C, um, you've done, you've kind of done both, right? How different yeah. is the AE job and the BDR job at a NetSuite versus a Backupify or a Salsify? Like, like, like where do you see the, the biggest differences between big and small companies? Yeah, it's so it has been a while since I was at NetSuite, but my memory is that I showed up and I was there to sell. I was really the the quarterback of the deal and I pulled in subject matter experts where appropriate. Not that that hasn't been the case at the startups that I've been a part of, but the sales rep there is much more, yes, the man behind the curtains, but also also doing demos, also doing your own outreach, also doing marketing, also going to conferences. And so you get to, you get a lot more exposure to different things which for a lot of people, myself included, is really exciting and really energizing because I'm doing a whole bunch of different things every day, sometimes all at the same time. And that can be very daunting, though, and not a good fit for some people. Some people, it is really helpful to just go in and know what your job is and what's expected of you. I think for me, the beauty of startup is that it is insane chaos, but that you get the opportunity to then make your own out of that and determine to a certain extent, you know, what what the trajectory of your career, career looks like. Yeah, it's it's not, it's not it's not better or worse. It's different, and it's and and yeah. people are different, so that's okay. So I, I'm really glad you put it that way. That's awesome. So Melissa, we ask all our guests to talk about one skill that they've developed that makes them elite. What's yours? Ooh, elite's a, a tall order, um, but Jr. I think you mentioned earlier with time management from going from making that shift from sports and all of the time that you dedicate to that to then day to day, I'm very good at managing my time and getting stuff done. I have found that the more I have to do, the more I get done. And that doesn't matter how much stuff it is. <laughs> Whenever we've had, you know, like dial competitions, I'm always one at the top of the leaderboard because it's just, all right, like I'm going to make as many dials until I break my headset today because this is what we're expected to do. I'm very thankful that that's not every day. Um, but I think being able to manage all of the different components, especially in the startup world, time management's huge. 
Time management is such an underrated skill because you have to, you only get so many hours, so many, what do they call them? Selling hours where you have to be doing things between eight to five that matter. And sometimes you have to do, you know, a contract later at night because if you're spending 11 to one in the afternoon doing contracts or doing your expense reports, like it's not, there's, if you're a, if you're a top notch elite time manager, I think you have a ton of success in sales. It's hard. It's hard. I, I'm just going to talk about that for a second, but I, like, I came from finance into sales and in finance, it was every hour was structured. It was like at three o'clock, this is what you have to get to the Fed. The SEC needs this by 1 p.m. for these security. It, everything was structured. And when I took a sales job, they were like, here's your account list. Here's your products. Let us know if you need help. And that yeah. was, that was a challenge for me. So definitely time management. Um, that's definitely an, a, a great skill to have. Yeah, I think sales is great and that it is different every day, right? To your point, it's not structured every day. Eight to nine, it's this. Nine to 10, it's this. Um, it's, I just make myself a to-do list at the beginning of the day and I don't stop until that list is checked off. But that's different every day. Um, and sort of ebbs and flows with with the month, with the week, with the quarter, with the year. Um but again, just trying to maximize the time that we that we do have, and during, especially during those selling hours, making sure that you are connecting with prospects and customers who probably aren't going to take your call later at night or super early in the morning. Hundred um, percent. I'm actually working on my time management myself each day. But uh, with that being said, I think we have time for one more question. Jr. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Melissa, I grew up. My father was a hockey coach for uh, like. <laughs> 40 years. Um, and he used to tell us when we were little, like a lot of people play hockey, but there's not a lot of hockey players. Right. So the idea is like, you know, being a professional, right. Like, like really, um, bringing to the table, like that full, that full commitment. So we, we always say the highest praise you can give to a salesperson is calling them a pro. What, in your opinion, does being a professional mean in sales? Yeah, I think, you know, at its foundation, you have to be really good and diligent with your follow-up, with your time management. But I think all sales reps who make it past that first year have to be fairly decent at that to stay in sales. I think for me, the thing that sets really elite sellers or pro sellers apart from from the others is their mentality because it is a grind and there's going to be ups and downs and ebbs and flows. But if you think about professional athletes, um, Serena Williams, Tiger Woods, they have to find a way to find the good, even when they're having a bad day. And so the elite and pro sellers are the ones that are really making that mental shift to not get really excited about the when you're at the top of the mountain or really sad when you're in a valley, but how do you stay consistent? And it's really, really hard. But I think that that's what ultimately sets pro sellers apart from others. I think that's the first time we've got that answer. And I think that's a great answer. I think it, I don't know why it makes me, because I'm from New England, it makes me think of Tom Brady. Like he's always in the game. He's always right in the zone, you know, having that mentality. Doesn't matter if it's a Super Bowl or the first week, he's trying to do the same thing. Uh, yeah. So that's a, that's a great answer. 100%. Love that. We love getting, we love getting, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we love getting, Shout out Tom Brady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He'll be, he'll be a guest soon. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Melissa, thank you so thank much. You, this was, yeah, such a good conversation. Thank you so much. It's going to be super valuable for those out there that listen. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank you guys so much. This was great. Thanks, awesome. Melissa. Have a good day. 
This wraps up this episode of Merchants of Change. If you enjoyed this episode, the most meaningful way to say thanks is to submit a review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're interested in working with us, please come find us at www.shiftgroup.io.